1: You
2: know, go, go. what is going on Belly sports fam it's your favorite history teacher mr parker ainsworth here in another edition of fn sports the podcast where teachers grade sports biggest issues. And today, we're going to be breaking down a look at Robert Sarver. Uh, If you did not hear, he got a big penalty from the NBA. But we're going to be looking at, is it big enough? Uh, I think there's some arguments. Well, frankly, I really follow one argument. So we'll see what the thesis is and how we grade it. So without further ado, let's dive on in. All right, so as I sit here and watch the Las Vegas Aces, I'm uh, hoping they can run away with this when they're up 17 points with just under five minutes to go in the fourth quarter over the Connecticut Sun. I have to say that it was roughly 15 points at this point in the game just a couple days ago, and that got to be a three-point game. So we'll see how that goes as I sit here recording this, but our thesis is looking at owner of the Phoenix Mercury and Phoenix Suns, so that Suns plural, not Sun singular, as we're seeing play out here in the WNBA, it is a look at Robert Sarver and the punishment he received from the NBA and WNBA after a fairly lengthy investigation into his mishandlings and, what to say, bad actions as an owner of both franchises. Our thesis today reads, the Robert Sarver punishment was sufficient Given what happened in both the Phoenix Mercury and the Phoenix Suns, that thesis, I think you could probably guess by my tone on most things, gets an F. All right. So before I give too much detail about why I think this thesis gets an F and why I don't think the Robert Sarver punishment was sufficient, I think we gotta back all the way up because as the investigation took so long, the I mean the first reports were in November of 2021. I think it's fair to assume that. Many people might not necessarily know a lot about what happened. So what did happen was Robert Sarver received a 1-year suspension and a 10 million dollar fine. That's the most allowed under the NBA laws as they currently stand. He must complete a bunch of training and his year away from the team and over the course of the next 3 years after he gets back, there will be a series of check-ins from an outside third party, not the NBA, not the Phoenix Suns or Mercury, but a third party to check and see how the organization as a whole is doing in regards to diversity, equity, inclusion, and a handful of other areas. This comes after a nearly full year-long investigation into roughly 18 years where Sarver himself violated a number of just basic workplace standards. Uh, Lots of racially insensitive language, unequal treatment of female employees, sex-related statements, harsh treatment and bullying. Those are all things that he was found guilty of in the course of the investigation. And there are plenty of very, very specific details online. I'm going to save those for online. If you want to go look them up, I encourage you do. If that's the kind of thing that takes you to a dark place, we're going to leave that for the online audience that wants to go find them. You find them all over the internet right now. However, in like broad swathy statements, there was plenty of straight racism. These people sit here on the plane. Those people sit there on the plane. He said the N-word on multiple occasions. I think they cited at least five. They had documented record of incidents of harassing women to the point that they cry. And then a subsequent story about how he asked some women why all the women that worked for the Phoenix Suns cried. He was exposing himself to various employees. And I think what's ultimately telling is after all of this is proven, it's no longer questioned, it's no longer an incident until proven guilty. The statement released from Sarver and his people to, on Tuesday, the day we're recording this, had no remorse. Uh, there was a tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski in which he described Starfer as acrimonious. That means he's like angry, bitter, he's not exactly happy with how things went. And while I get not being happy with the punishment, I have to say that if someone told me I did anything close to as wrong as any of this having been done, my first thing would be like, holy crap, where did I go wrong? And pulling the figurative thumb instead of pointing the finger. And I don't think we're getting any evidence that that's what's happening with Sarver himself. And I think it's worth pointing out that part of the reason this flunks is that the punishment does nothing to the victims as a whole. These witnesses, the victims that went out on a limb, stuck their neck out, very literally breaking NDAs and things like that to cooperate with the investigation to try and put the kibosh on Sarver, don't really get anything. There's no big settlement or payout or there's no restorative action for people that no longer work for the organization. I mean, there were 18 years of this. People come and go in the course of 18 years for a variety of reasons, especially when it's a hostile workplace. So that those people don't get anything is certainly very, very troubling. I guess if you're still within the organization, Theoretically, you can benefit from the three years of check-ins, the years where he's, he's away getting his own training and those kinds of things, but in a bigger, broader sense, most of the people this impacted are not going to get anything, and that certainly feels a little icky and wrong. I'm not sure what to say they should get, should the $10 million get divide up some way or somehow, should they get game checks from some... I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is, but I do think that there needs to be some sort of an effort to get some sort of restorative justice done for the people that this impacted. And bluntly, it doesn't. The other thing is this $10 million amount to me right now $10 million is a lot of money to, you know, 99.99% of people on the face of the earth. But quick Google research implies that Robert Sarver is worth over 800 and probably closer to $900 million. So this $10 million is like Somewhat of a bump in the road, but it's certainly nothing he can't just like continue to gloss over as he goes. Yes, I'm sure he's bitter about the fact that he has to pay the money, but it's not like he can't pay the money or has to find some way to make up the money that he's losing or something like that. Further, as he's not being forced to sell his team, he will make a lot of money even if he's suspended. And even if you suspend him without pay, he will start making a lot of money as soon as he comes back a year later. I I just don't think that the $10 million, well, I understand that's the maximum allowed for these types of situations, for off-the-floor incidents involving the office side of the NBA. It's just that when you get to the ownership level and the ownership suite of those offices, $10 million is not the same kind of fine and penalty. And I don't know what language needs to be put into CBAs around that, but I do know that the 30 ownership groups will probably not allow that to be changed. That's really unfortunate because that's what makes this feel a little bit icky across the board. So if you're trying to look at something that, besides the $10 million being the maximum, I guess, would make this feel like a valid punishment, it's the suspension of an owner. And so the suspension of an owner is interesting because I guess you do get your pay suspended while you're gone, but in looking at what that suspension means, it's... It's not that big a deal to a Sarver, unless he's really the kind of micromanager that he may actually be, based on reading some of these reports, I guess. But the suspension means that he may not be present at any NBA or WNBA team, Facility, including the offices, arenas, practice facilities, etc. He may not attend or participate in any NBA or WNBA events activity, including games, practices, business partner activities, etc. He may not represent the Suns or Mercury in any public or private capacity over the course of that year. He may not have any involvement with the business or basketball operations of the Suns or Mercury. And he may not have any involvement in the business, governance, or activities, either the NBA or the WNBA, including attending or participating in meetings of either league's board and their associated board committees, and so on and so forth if you were going to try to argue that this was a valid punishment i think you'd go down the line of thinking that that's more than most people have gotten outside of donald sterling for what he got with you know having to sell the team and all that thing with the clippers back in the day we'll get to that in a moment but as a whole like standalone from other ownership punishments this doesn't seem to fit the crime at all i mean he's gonna get to not work for a year he's a guy worth like 880 million dollars I think he'll be okay even if you take 10 away and make it 870 million dollars I think I think he'll survive a year without having to go to a bunch of boardroom meetings and having to watch some games on tv I don't think that's gonna be that big a problem further it's just one year for 18 years of demonstrated abuse I don't think that I mean I guess if you went to a full 18 years this guy is 60 years old you're essentially taking the team away from him and I think that would be okay too. However, if you're still not going to go to the full 18, it's got to be more than an 18 to one ratio, right? I mean, you had more than 18 people come forward. <laughs> I, I I just I don't know what the number would be that make me feel comfortable. I don't know that there is a number out there as we're going to get to in a second. But as I look at this and read this and hear more about this, I just I know it's not one. I don't know what the number is. I just know that it's not one.
0: Okay, Parker, so the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement?
2: Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis?
0: So, I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So, maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But, you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So, check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make bombs, they even have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight
2: so that you're looking fresh i know i've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts it's nice and long these days <laughs> but it helps keep it nice and healthy and hydrated and if you're listening to our show you can use fn sports 15 and get 15 off your oils your balms your shampoos conditioners whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy
0: Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at TheBeardStruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast
2: your face. So, if you're going to make him sell the team or effectively sell the team over the course of like an 18-year suspension or, or something to that effect what would the issues be? I mean, the natural comparison to the Donald Sterling issue, and if you don't remember the Donald Sterling issue, quickly, back in 2014, there was a leaked recording from a mistress, a girlfriend, female partner named Vistaviano, and it was a recording from 2013, so just a few months earlier, where Sterling was irritated and something about something she'd posted on Instagram with magic, and he starts going on some racist tirade about her and who she's associating with and it led to the uncovering of a bunch of racist things that Sterling had did. Now there had been reports for years that's kind of behind the scenes of like a general sentiment around the organization that he was a bad guy, a prejudiced guy, at least probably more like a racist guy and a very very problematic person who was an owner of the Clippers and it kind of just felt like this reason the Clippers had been bad for so long. After a much much quicker investigation and frankly some big, big steps and statements by the Clippers players where they, like, warm up with their T-shirts inside out so you can't see the Clippers logos and those kinds of things. You actually end up having the league start to force him to sell the team. I think it's important to remember because before they get to a vote to see if he has to sell the team or not, while it's understood that they would have broken the 60% threshold, actually what ends up happening is before the vote ends up going through, uh, you had his wife at the time argue that he was unable to successfully own the team. He was not in a good mental state. He was very, very old. I want to say he was 80 or around 80. Anyway, he's very, very old, and the wife says he can't support the team, and so she actually sells the team before it actually gets to that point because she gets possession of the team once she argues and then can lay out a successful legal argument that he doesn't actually have the mental capacity to own it. Anyway, it was understood, generally speaking, and the assumption is that it was more of a saving grace for and saving a face for the owners that they didn't have to actually sell the team or have to actually get forced to sell the team, I should say. Because while it's understood that they were going to have 60% or better to make him sell the team as they needed based on the NBA's bylaws, it wasn't necessarily a guarantee that they were going to get... 100% of the other 29 ownership groups. And I think there was even at the time, remember in like 2014, Mark Cuban, who in many political and social issues is fairly progressive. Now there have been some issues atop at the, the Mavs, but generally speaking, Cuban's a very progressive guy. He pointed out like, are we opening up Pandora's box? Where we're just making people sell the team whenever things come to light. That got taken out of context. Some people, you know, argue that like, does that mean there's more going on in the Mavs? We don't know. I digress. It was certainly a sentiment felt by a number of other less vocal owners as well. And so not having to actually do that vote and us not getting to actually see how people would have voted, I think is a really, really important thing to remember here. Because that is the natural comp here. It's similar nature of issues. And it's frankly a very similar like sentiment over the last couple decades of both the Suns in this instance and the Clippers in that instance of just like, we kind of knew something bad like this was probably happening in the background. There were leaks, there were whispers, there was hush-hush, there was NDAs, etc. And it led to Donald Sterling, while he made a bunch of money on the sale, selling the team. And so should they make Sarver sell the team if it's that much similar to what happened? This is not going to a vote in the same sense, unless, I guess, theoretically, it could get to an insubordination kind of thing. If he's not following up on those three years of check-ins or doesn't do the training in the year off he's supposed to or whatever as it currently stands, it does not look like they're gonna have any sort of vote towards that end, like they were going to have in the Sterling incident. The other interesting thing that's different here is that Robert Sarver owns 35% of the team and is a part of an ownership team that is one of, if not the, I actually don't know every single ownership group, but is one of the biggest ownership groups in the NBA. That is I say, they have the most people dividing up ownership percentages across the entire group. And I think that's really, really important here as well, Donald Sterling bought the San Diego Clippers for $12.5 million in like, the think it, like it was 1981, I think it was 1981, and he owned them outright. That was him and his people owned the team. There was no ownership group, there was no percentages, it was all Donald Sterling money. And that meant that there was only one owner to punish, right? Now, I would argue that getting the full... You know, what was it, like $1.8 billion, about $2 billion for selling the team It's not the worst punishment in the world either, but he got the entirety of the punishment. Whereas if you're going to do this to the Phoenix Suns, you're theoretically hurting that other 65% of ownership that, bluntly, as of the findings of this, outside of like not opening their mouth and making it stop, aren't guilty of doing the same things. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have opened their mouths and made it stop, etc., but they certainly didn't open their mouths and do the same things that Robert Sarver was doing either. So making Sarver sell his 35% stake in the team means that the other 65%, guys like Larry Fitzgerald, etc., and the greater Phoenix and Arizona area, the Southwest, will then have to deal with some other person or smaller group and all of a sudden it's no longer punishing Sarver, but punishing that 65% because they now have to find new people to work with, and who knows how that goes, and it's always hard to find good help and so on. But at the end of the day, my mind goes to him owning 35% of the team might actually make this easier. I mean, the 35% of the team, the team is estimated to be about $1.8 billion in 2021 numbers, and that's interesting because it's actually the same as the Clippers were in 2014, but that's not really here or there. In 2021 dollars, it looks like they're about $1.8 billion. His chunk, his 35%, would then be about $630 million. Now, that's a lot of money. Again, I'm a real-life history teacher. I can tell you right now, $630, $6.30 feels like a lot of money on the right day. But $630 million, while it's a lot of money for the rest of us in this world, is really not that much money. I mean, it's not so big that they wouldn't have applicants stepping up and saying, I've got the cash I'd like in on the Phoenix Suns. Plus, it's a market that is dangerously close to both Las Vegas and Los Angeles. It's a franchise that has a budding superstar that you continue to grow. It also has one of the most passionate WNBA fan bases in the league, and the league is growing exponentially. We just saw WNBA Finals games selling out. It's their biggest TV contract year of all time. You could get into that league at the ground level as well. On the whole, I would think that that actually makes this an easier sell or an easier opportunity because that's a fairly, for as weird as it is to say, realistic number to put out there for. Hey, we need someone to replace this guy for six hundred and thirty million. And you can even have some deal where, like, you know, make him take a break on it and make it six hundred million or something just to make it feel more like a punishment. So yes, one of the reasons I think that this is not a fair punishment or that I flunked this thesis is because. I think after looking at all of the stats and figures, even with my mundane history teacher, oh, what do teachers ever know about this kind of stuff, brain, I think that the 35% ownership stake actually makes this easier. I think the fact that this is a team in a situation where they have other owners that can keep the bus running while he is out getting rid of his shares is actually a benefit to those other people because, again, while these 65% of the ownership groups did not actually anything wrong themselves, they did allow this to happen. They wanna prove that they wanna separate themselves. They probably also want to get rid of that 35% chunk that is Robert Sarver. And if that's more complex to do, is more complex to do really a good enough reason to not do more than just a slap on the wrist to this guy? I mean, as we look at this, yes, that's the maximum fine allowed, but we know that's not enough for what he did based on his net worth. I mean, it just doesn't add up in that sense. A year off for him is not that big a deal because he will continue to own the team. There's not like a life expectancy on ownership the way there is players. And so losing a year of ownership does not equate to like losing a year of playing or losing two years of playing or something like that because he can continue to own the team the very next season for as many seasons as he's alive for. And if the only other punishment will be things like dealing with this training and cooperating with this outside investigative group, etc., what does that look like for a 6 year old man who's currently showing no remorse? Like how much does he have to cooperate with these stipulations? How much does he have to interact with this training? How much does he have to engage with the work the NBA is saying he has to do? And what metrics are they using to prove he actually did it? None of that's laid out and without having any tangible thing to prove he did it, I'm not comfortable saying that's anywhere near enough. Further, what does that even like look like? Like what is cooperating with that look like after he's done this for 18 years? What does engaging in that work look like after he's done this for 18 years? What does engaging in this work and completely turning around his life as 60 years old look like? Like we do have examples of what that looks like for any person, let alone an owner that's done all of these heinous things. So yes, I say take it to that vote with 29 other ownership groups and see if they can get him out of the system here, because frankly, I want to know as a fan of the league, how many of those 29 ownership groups are okay with having this guy in the fraternity. I've gone on the rants and rampages in this podcast, how I've had problems with Tillman Fertitta, and he owns my own Houston Rockets. I can tell you right now, I'd have a lot more problems if he didn't vote, nix this guy very, very quickly. And I don't think I'm the only NBA Fan that feels that way. And I don't think, well, I'm not a Mercury fan. I'm the, I'm the only person that watches women's basketball that feels that way. And with all of that said, with this punishment being so minuscule for a guy like Robert Sarver, the real shame here, the real problem here is that the brunt of the actual punishment is gonna be felt by the players and coaches and people at the ground level of these organizations. I know it's hard to think of the millionaires like CP3 and Devin Booker as like the workers, but in this instance, they're the workers that have had to deal with this atrocious human being owning the teams for 18 years. Skylar Diggins, Diana Taurasi, Chris Paul, Monty Williams will all inevitably have to publicly speak on this as well as be like the face of the franchise while this guy's the one that did all the mistakes in the back. It's all the things that this guy did. And everyone that's in the front lines, the players and coaches, are going to step up and have to say something. We're going to expect them to have a comment. And if you don't think I'm right on this one, trust me. Go back and watch that 2014 Donald Sterling thing and see who faced the media on that. It was Chris Paul. It was Blake Griffin. It was Matt Barnes. It was all these front-facing guys that had to... Go out there and talk to the media and all of us on account of something that they had nothing to do with right and that's 100 what you're about to see happen with this phoenix suns and mercury situation and that's so so painful because it's something that this guy has done for 18 years and it's something that these people have been working through for the entirety of their times in the organization and frankly have been working through fairly well when you think about like all the things the Phoenix Mercury had to deal with last season with Brittany Griner and Diana Taurasi's injury and this they still got to the playoffs when you think about how much they've had to deal with in the Phoenix Suns organization with all of these things they got to game seven of the Western Conference semifinals and the NBA finals the season before like this is a franchise that has continued to push their way through all of this mess despite the distraction and that distraction does not go away just because you make the owner watch the games on TV for the next 12 months. Friends, do you feel like you have a better understanding of the Robert Sarver situation and what's happening in Phoenix, and frankly, why the punishment, as big as it is compared to everything else that's ever happened in the NBA, just doesn't feel like enough? Thank you to all of you who follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. If you are not following, make sure you go find us on Instagram. We're at F underscore N underscore sports. That's at F underscore N underscore sports on Twitter. We're at FN sports two. That's F I N S P O R T S number two, all one word on Twitter in both social media handles. you be got to go to the link tree in the bio from the link tree. You'll be able to find all of our sponsors. That's the beer circle in the Yeti, etc. All will be right there. You can also from that link tree, go to our merch store. We're selling a Flunk Alzheimer's t-shirt this month to help us flunk Alzheimer's as a disease that impacts so many people across this country. All of the proceeds from that campaign go to the Alzheimer's Association. Every month we have a different t-shirt cap, hoodie, mug, etc., that donate some portion of the proceeds, if not all of the proceeds, to charity, so make sure you go check that out, support some great causes, and support the show. If you're looking for me, and you wanna clap back at me on social media, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Painsworth512, that's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H 512 on Instagram and Twitter. That's where I'll be posting things that I'm writing, things that I'm reading, things that I'm recording, things I'm talking on, etc. I'll also be posting about things like my various L's on sneakers, my Houston Rockets, the Texas Longhorns, or whatever's going on in those kinds of worlds. So make sure you go follow me on there for all of that kind of jazz if you're looking for a way to support the show for free you can give us a five star rating leave us a positive review download subscribe do all the wonderful things to help with the show and whatever you do when it comes to sports don't flunk with us later guys
1: dinner.